Hello and good morning. It's brilliant to be with you, all of you who are tuning in at Redeemer King. It's so amazing for me to be invited to be with you today. I've been so expectant and excited about recording this. I really do wish I was with you in person. It's not quite the same, is it? But I'm lucky because um, I have known your some of your amazing leaders for quite a long time. I've known Carl uh, for well ages actually and I'm so full of respect and admiration for his ministry, his passion, his calling to support those on the edge of society, on the edge of church, to encourage us as the church to think bigger about what our calling is and who we're really here to serve and how we grow as disciples. Um, but I've also been fortunate enough to get to know Andy kind over the years as well and um, I can't believe you get to get both those guys in one church and their families as well. It's just um, amazing. So Andy has been such an encouragement to me over the years. He really has actually. He's been a real encourager. He is a real cheerleader and um, often when we're speaking at similar places he will be there just cheering me on and always being so kind of like thrilled that I'm speaking in those places and he is such a masterclass of a communicator and I always am so blessed. Um, we've had him here a few times at our church and uh, it's great for me to finally be able to return the favour. So wh where are we? So um, my husband Mark is the senior minister of a church called Waypoint Church. It was called Loxheath Free Church. But we had a bit of a rebrand and a rename last year. We're sort of halfway between Southampton and Portsmouth and um, we are allegedly a Baptist church, although you probably would never know it. And um, waypoint is an important word for us because it means like a navigational marker. It's that upside down teardrop that you see on maps. It tells you it's a landmark, it's a milestone, it's a place where you reorientate, it's a place where you re-navigate. And we just believe that everyone is on a journey and that we all need those opportunities to just look at where we've come from, look at where we're going. And that's some of what I want to lean into as I speak to you today as well. So we've been here for 17 uh, years and um, we got here when our kids were tiny and they're now at university and just left university and I spend most of my time um, teaching and speaking, writing, coaching, things like that and I'm actually going to be speaking with your ladies in a few days time. Very excited and we've decided to um, lean a little bit into one of my books, Digging for Diamonds. Uh, this came out a few years ago now but it has been amazing. It's been a uh, a bestseller actually so who'd have thought it's just amazing what God can do with your efforts isn't it it surprised me and it's been a blessing um, these different 12 chapters about how we find treasure in the messiness of life and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of our story and um, it's going to be a fun event for the women and also an event where you can invite your friends so I will tell a little bit of my testimony in there as well but there's going to be zero cringe and it's very much a just invite your girlfriends for a night out and I just think at the beginning of this term with so much uncertainty to come together as women and go we've got each other's backs and actually we want to dig deeper into some stuff think about why we're here and think about what um 
what our purpose is in it all. So I hope that'll be a really good event. I can't, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're doing it over Zoom actually. Can't remember now, I've got to read the emails, but I think that's what we're doing. So it'd be good to see you there and actually see you in person. And the other thing I will just mention before I crack on is that my new book is called Irrepressible. And this only came out in lockdown. Fantastic time to launch a book, not. Um, but anyway, it's been amazing. So this book I wrote slightly less obviously Christian, uh, although if you're a Christian, you will know it's based on kingdom stuff, but this is to put into your hands so that you can take these 12 principles for living a courageous, resilient, and fulfilling life. And they're all little axioms, sort of wisdom principles. You'll see some scriptures carefully woven through, um, but you can use this in all kinds of contexts. And there are business teams that are using this. There are teachers that are using this. Um, Bristol University CU is using this at the moment. So all kinds of different places, staff teams, staff um, training days, and then church book groups, small groups as well. So um, there's questions at the end of each chapter. It's like a real chance to dig into some resilience principles. So I'll mention a, uh, probably something from it in, in this talk, but I just wanted to let you know about this because I, I poured myself into this book and um, none of the festivals and events that I would normally be able to launch them at um, have happened. So um, I'm just taking the opportunity when I do see people like this to let you know about it. I hope it's a blessing. If you, you can buy it online or if you want to get in touch, you can buy it from me instead. So whichever way works for you. But let's turn to what we're going to be thinking about for you this morning. I've prayed a lot about this morning and I really have been asking God about where we are as a church in the UK where you might be, and I don't know you, I don't know you individually, I don't know your church actually at all, other than two of the great guys who are part of your leadership team. But I, I know this, that this is a transition stage for us. It's a transition stage for us personally, many of us, with so much uncertainty, with so many things having come to an end, new things beginning, that's true maybe in our families as well, with new school terms. Um, it might be true if you hit a particular milestone or if you've even lost some employment or a loved one over this period. And certainly it's true for us as uh, churches where how we've always done things has probably changed forever. And um, we've got to work out in the midst of this really quite uh, challenging and discouraging time how to keep growing the body of Christ and how to keep sharing the good news with the people in our communities in new ways. So we're in a transition stage where we're having to make sense of what is going around us and we are having to ask God, what does following you look like in this time? So I'm really thinking about how we unpack God's purposes for us. What is the process of discovering our purpose in a transition phase? And the great news is the Bible has such a lot to say about this. There are so many people in the Bible who, you know, had to go through huge transitions in their lives where, you know, they personally went through definite changes of season and when the church had to wrestle with what was new and what had happened around them. And so I'm going to look at a few verses in a moment that I hope will help us because God has a purpose for us. Let's not forget that. In the midst of 
all of this craziness and all of this uncertainty, let us never lose sight of the fact that God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your church. God has a purpose for your workplace, for your community. He has not taken a break. God has not left the throne. He has a purpose for us. And part of our discipleship journey now is unpacking what that purpose will be and how he is leading us through this season. Just to remind you of a couple of verses before we dig in, John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me but I chose you and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Love that. Or Ephesians 10 that says, you know what? You are God's workmanship. It actually means masterpiece. You're a work of art and you have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. So the calling remains the same. Even when our circumstances change, our calling remains the same. You know what, I think some of us have a bit of a strange theory, or maybe we've been brought up with this strange theory that in our late teens or early 20s, there would somehow be a divine download where we'd suddenly know what God's purpose for our life is. It's kind of like arrive on a piece of paper. You are called to be a, you may be a nurse or a pilot or whatever. You know, we ask kids, don't we, when they're growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that then we will spend the rest of our life kind of following that path, like unpacking what that one-time revelation is. Well, I don't know about you, but that's not my experience at all. My experience is more that life is made up of a series of moments, a series of discoveries where you gain fresh vision and fresh momentum and fresh self-awareness and fresh calling and where God says, well, I'm always doing a new thing and here's my new thing that I want you to dig deeper into in this season. I want you to look at generosity in this season. I want you to look at forgiveness in this season. I want you to lean into this area of your community. I want you to look, serve in this ministry and there's always something new. Well, that's exciting, except for maybe you're someone like me And I really love the new, and I love accumulating the new. In fact, guilty confession, I probably am a bit of a magpie when it comes to the new. I get excited by new adventures and I accumulate. I'm really good at accumulating, to saying yes to stuff and to gathering stuff. In fact, it's probably a bit like my wardrobe. And if you were to come into my house and look into my wardrobe, you would know that Marie Kondo, that wonderful Japanese interiors tidying lady, has not visited my house. I've read her book, it's terrific, made no difference whatsoever. My my wardrobe is literally completely overloaded. I open it up in the morning and it's rammed, like I have to force apart every single piece of item so that I can stand back and look at it and go, I have nothing to wear in here. How does that work? I have no idea. So every now and then I'm like, I have to declutter. So I take stuff out and I put it on the bed and I'm like, gosh, I haven't worn that since 1993. Surely it's time for it to go. And just before I put it into the charity shop bag, I make the silly mistake of looking at it just one more time and thinking, do you know what? That's not actually, it's not actually that bad. It's quite, it's quite stylish. It's probably come back into fashion. It's It's a bit of a design classic. I think probably if I put that with black skinny jeans, it would look amazing. But if I don't eat for a month, I'll fit it again. And sure as eggs are eggs, 
that dress or that whatever it is goes back in the wardrobe. Ah, doesn't stop me getting anything new, of course. Great at accumulating really, really bad at letting stuff go. I'm so pleased that this camera is pointing this way to my carefully curated plants because the other side of the camera is genuinely a pile of laundry almost as large as my sofa. I'm really good at accumulating stuff. I'm not so very good at dealing with the mess and the clutter. Every now and then, uh, uh, my kids come home and I've got the vacuum out and they say, who's coming over? <laughs> they know if I'm cleaning, it's because we've got guests. But here's the thing, it's not just my wardrobe, it's just not uh, my dresses that are the issue. Like all of us, every day we accumulate more, we accumulate more emails, we accumulate more texts, we accumulate more social media posts, we accumulate more responsibilities, more things to do, more dreams that we have. We accumulate all the time. The issue isn't, is there something new and exciting or something else that needs to be done? The issue is how in the world do we prioritize and work out what our purpose is in the midst of so much? Everything kind of gets on top of us sometimes. Sometimes we have to think about how we're gonna move forwards. And I, I really want to just pull out some words from the Apostle Paul here in the book of Philippians. And I love the book of Philippians. I've just been writing a little study guide on it at the moment. And I have just found it the best book to read in this, you know, lockdown and pandemic season. It's just packed with so much truth. And here is Paul speaking to us about the fact that even when our circumstances don't look ideal, even when we're not sure what the path ahead looks like. There are things we can do in order to be able to make space in our lives for the things of God and what he is calling us to. So I'm going to read you a few verses from Philippians 3. It's Philippians 3 verses 7 to 9 and then we're going to skip to 12 to 14. So here they are. But whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Not that I've already obtained all of this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is past and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus magnificent verses. Forgetting what is behind, I strain forwards towards what is ahead. I press on to win the prize. Now, just as a little bit of a context reality check here, just to remind us that Paul is not writing this on a beach um, in Hawaii with a pina colada journaling about how he's moving on to a new phase of his life. That's not what's happening. Paul is in prison. He is not living his plan A in any way, shape or form or his 
plan B, he is trapped, he is definitely socially isolated, he is definitely not living where he is wanting to be and he is honest, first of all, honest about where he is. He's honest about the limitations that he has around him. He's aware that he is surrounded by challenges, but he is secure, actually. He says, he tells them all the way through this book to stand firm. In fact, it's called the letter of joy, even though it's written in prison, to stand firm, to be secure in who you are. And that's where he starts off. He's not just a prisoner, he's an apostle. He knows who he is, he knows whose he is. And you know what? I don't know what your circumstances are, but you're not just a fill in the blank, unemployed person, frustrated, single mom or you know a kind of annoyed spouse or whatever you you might whatever the titles are you might put on your life good or bad you're not just those things you are a daughter or a son of the king of kings you are called for such a time as this it's not about your position it's not about how great your circumstances are it's about what god says about you you know a couple of years ago i was fortunate enough to visit a refugee camp in Greece, and I'd never been anywhere like it before. Just watching the scenes recently, actually, on the news of Lesbos is just deeply upsetting, isn't it? And um, I've been to Africa a few times, and I'd seen you know, a few different kinds of poverty, but to see this refugee camp where people have been displaced and left everything behind, great careers, engineers, lawyers, doctors, all kinds of people, um, to see that they had had everything that they know, their language, their traditions, their culture, their habits, the places where they would gather their families, everything gone to live in a camp in a country that couldn't afford to have them, to live with people they didn't know, didn't even speak their own language. It was extraordinary. Just place yourself in that position for a moment. And we were shown around by a guy who was um, a doctor. I'll call him Amir. It's not his name, but he he was incredible, amazing guy, you know, incredibly good looking, competent, um, a strong, positive, smiling guy who'd been a doctor and worked in a hospital back in Syria before he had to escape for his life. His brother had already been stolen. He'd already been imprisoned once for not operating on someone that the guards had brought in while they were smoking cigarettes with a gun while he was operating on someone else. And anyway, he ended up imprisoned, he had to flee. And here he is in Greece, showing us around this camp where everybody knows him as the doctor and the Red Cross have let him use all of their, their stuff. So every day he's kind of doing these unofficial rounds. It's the last place on earth he wants to be, but somehow he is still himself. He knows who he is, he knows his calling, he knows really everything that he is, is to care about people and to use his skills uh, for those people around him. And I sat having dinner with him like on a pallet in this refugee camp. And I sat there and thought about all the excuses I make sometimes (laughs) for not doing what God has asked me to do. Like, you know, this might make me just a little bit uncomfortable or, you know, it's a bit challenging or difficult. And I looked at this guy and thought, Kathy, it's not about your circumstances being optimal. It's not about you having every resource in the whole world that you need in order to be able to pull off the most amazing this or that. 
It's about saying, I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know what I'm called to do. And actually my circumstances, my position, my title, my whatever, any of those things, the money that I do or don't have, I have things in my hands. I have a home, actually. I have things I can do and I can share and I can give. And actually, God asked me to be responsible for those things that I do have and that I can do. I'm not responsible for what I don't have and what I can't do. So how am I stewarding what he's given me? Because we're all faced with a choice, you know. When God's whispering in our ear, we can say no because or yes, of course. And some of us by nature are more of a, yes, of course. And some of us by nature are more of a, no, because, so some of us weigh up things more carefully and that's okay. But all of us have to weigh up the situation and say to God, if you're asking me, even though I might need to unpack it and explore it and get some advice if I need to, I need to move forward sensibly and logically. You know, we've all got limitations and Paul couldn't do the things that he was planning on doing at this time. He was planning a journey that that didn't happen. And this year has been a year of plans that didn't happen, right? This year has been a year of holidays that didn't happen, of ministries that didn't get off the ground, of work that has been done from home, of homeschooling. I mean, some of you have learnt skills this year. You have learnt algebra this year. You know, we've all had this year to face our limitations. But even just pandemic aside, the reality is we will all have limitations. And if you know me at all, if you've ever heard me speak, if you've read anything I've ever written, you'll know that I'm just like you and I have tons of limitations in my life. And I'm gonna talk a bit more about this at your your women's event. But one of the things that's a big thing in our life is that, you know, my husband, Mark, who's an amazing guy and a great church leader, but he has uh, gradually lost his eyesight over the years. So he's blind now. And particularly in this last year, he's just lost the final, you know, few bits, a few percentage of his, his sight. So he's got almost nothing left now. And you know, it's not a picnic. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's way harder than probably anybody realizes. And when he was diagnosed at 25 years old, lost his driving license, that was devastating. And it's just been loss upon loss upon loss. Any of you who know, if you have a a chronic illness or a disability, it's like perpetual grief, like you're constantly having to deal with uh, with that. And some of you will have experienced all kinds of different losses and, or even, you know, bereavements. And so many of you actually will have gone through things much more challenging than our situation. And I'm really, really aware of that as I, as I share this now. But what I'm saying is we have some limitations on our life. There are things that Mark, lots of things that Mark can't do that we wish he could do, can't drive, can't do things around the house, can't um, walk very easily on ground that's not flat, can't find things, can't read or write anymore. So there's so many things, can't see his food on a plate, can't cut meat off a bone. There's so many things that over the years he can't do. And we wish it was different, but it's not. And so we have to look at what we can do. 
and what we do still have in our hands, because otherwise we just end up in a wee spiral of despair. There are things that, you know, Mark has just overseen a five and a half million pound building project. Don't ask me how he's done it, but we've just opened this magnificent new building just to close it down at the beginning of lockdown. So that was encouraging, but actually it became this incredible food bank and community hub for our community, which was unexpected and amazing. There were limitations that turned into opportunities. And Paul knew what it was to have these limitations, but he also knew that woven through our limitations are opportunities. And he's stuck there and he's sharing the gospel with these palace guards because he's in like a top security situation. So he has some of the most influential guards in the whole of the Roman Empire. They are at the core of the Roman Empire. And so he shares the gospel with them, which means that the goodness of Christ infiltrates the Roman uh, Empire in a way that frankly he could never have even planned if he tried to. Like it's extraordinary. And also he reports in the book of Philippians that because of his imprisonment, which was because of his boldness, he got imprisoned, that actually the other believers have increased in boldness. Like he's reproduced that boldness in those around him. So actually his imprisonment far, you know, far away from people getting more fearful, they've actually become more courageous as a result. And I don't know about you, but my experience is that it's often when we face our greatest challenges that we find our greatest resources. And actually we see like the greatest faithfulness of other people and God as well. It's, and we've seen it in this pandemic. It's brought out the best in so many people in wonderful, wonderful ways. But Paul, just to, just to highlight something that I think is really important for us, there are some things that he says here that help him to unlock like how he stays so focused on what God wants for him in these circumstances, how he follows his purpose despite his circumstances. It's kind of a really amazing discipleship mindset that says, you know what, I'm following. I don't turn away whenever it gets hard, like I'm following through this. I believe God is with me in it. So how does Paul manage to do that. He, you, you've, you've heard these verses already. He's forgetting what is past towards the goal. And I just want to highlight that to you this morning because I really believed as I was preparing this that for some of us, it is a new season ahead. There is a gear change going on in our life, but we're going to have to lay some things down in order to be able to take hold of what God has for us in a future. There will be some projects or some uh, responsibilities, maybe some attitudes, some bitterness or unforgiveness or um, some commitments that, and even sometimes, you know, relationships that we just need to put some boundaries around because it's only as we do that, as we find freedom in that, that we are free then to face whatever it is that God is asking for us next. You know, a few years ago, I was going through a bit of a relationship loop with a friend. Uh, I really, really care for this lady and we got on well, but you know, it was one of those relationships that I was working really hard at it. Um, always the first one to text, always, you know, making some effort and just not getting, not getting the same back and feeling like constantly this underlying 
rejection and disappointment. And so I just poured more time into it and more effort into it. And it took um, quite a while before I've got a lady who kind of mentors me called Bev. And Bev said to me, Kathy, when the horse is dead, dismount. <laughs> now I laughed because it was hilarious. So, you know, I could just see myself sat on this horse, like stroking it going, come on, little horse, come on, we can do this. Thinking that if I fed it or if I cajoled it enough, it would get up and do whatever horses are supposed to do. But the truth was it had expired. It was no longer fit for purpose. And I was tra dragging around this dead horse of a relationship, spending time and eff effort on it um, that maybe could have been invested better somewhere else. I'm not saying I just dumped my friend, but I put some boundaries around my expectations of that friendship. Actually, the um, When the Horse is Dead Dismount is one of the chapters of uh, my new book, uh, Irrepressible, because this became something of a important life lesson for me. As I said already, really good at accumulating and saying yes to things, and I'm really bad and moving on and letting go. And I actually have found that that is a lot of people, as most of us are not so good at letting things go. Sometimes we think we failed if we move on from something or if we're afraid of letting people down or what people will think. There's a psychologist called Henry Cloud who says in his book, Necessary Endings, endings are not only a part of life, they are a requirement for living and thriving professionally and personally. So knowing how to bring things to an end or at least to kind of limit our commitments or limit our mental energy um, and, you know, and also to bring closure to attitudes and habits that need dealing with so that we can move on is a really important part of our discipleship. And I'm not saying church leaders don't panic. I'm not saying everyone resign from their responsibilities in the church or everyone resign or give up on their friendships. I'm not saying that at all. The truth is you and I both know people who are brilliant at dismounting. People who get out of the saddle straight away as soon as they get one criticism or if they get one bit of bad news or if somebody says one thing they don't like, they are out of here. So we all know those people and none of us wants to be those people. Like people who are just so fearful that they just run at the first Thing. None of us want that. There is something to be said actually sometimes for plodding on on a horse, like even though it's not as exciting, you know, as it used to be. I've just been married for 27 years this week, so I know what I'm talking about. But you know, sometimes we can be plodding along and it's not quite the ride of our life anymore, but actually it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. The horse is still going, can't believe I just said that. Hope my husband never hears this. Anyway, it's okay to stay in the saddle and commitment is really, really important. But there are times, there are times when God is saying it's time to move on and to find the new season as well. And when Paul says, whatever is behind, I leave behind everything that's behind. I just want you to notice something else here. And that is, it's not just his suffering or his challenges. He's not just talking about his shipwrecks and his imprisonment and his disappointment with people and his arguments. He's not talking about, I leave all of that behind in order to press on. He's actually talking about his success. He's talking about the things that went well. We need to remember that Paul was an apostle of apostles and he, 
you know, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, before that, you know, he had all this status. He had all the credentials. He had all the significance. He had all the power. And he said he considers all of that as garbage or worse compared to the incomparable, amazing, knowing Christ. All of that good stuff had to be put down. And so I say that because some of the things sometimes God asks us to move on from are not damaging or destructive. It's just that it's not the season for that anymore. I know when I, I gave up leading our worship ministry after a while, and it wasn't that I was terrible, I was all right at it, but God had something new for me. And when I actually reluctantly stepped down and moved on, amazingly, somebody rose up who was just anointed for that season. And I'd kind of been blocking the path for that person. Not that what I was doing was terrible, but actually I was accumulating responsibilities and I didn't feel like I should give that one. What am I, what's gonna to happen to that if I, if I let it go? Sometimes there are things that we have to give up that are, are good things, roles in our, in our workplace. There are things, sometimes our successes make us proud. It might be that pride is the thing we need to leave behind or an assumption that because it worked in the past, whatever it is, that that will work in the future. I love that phrase that says, what got you here might not get you there. Sometimes we get into a massive rut if something has gone well and we just end up trying to replicate it for the rest of our life. But actually, sometimes God says to us, you know, whatever has gone past, whether it's gone extremely well or if it's been really difficult and damaging, both of those things are not what's happening in your future. Learn from them, learn all the lessons from the good stuff and the challenging stuff, but then press on towards the prize, which is Christ Jesus. Tim Keller, the amazing writer and leader says this, the process of sanctification is identifying and getting rid of the things we cling to instead of God. Sometimes we can cling to stuff in our past that is really damaging or the disappointments and the challenges. And sometimes we can cling on to stuff because it's been good. It's worked well. It means something to us. Our identity's a bit wrapped up in it. But actually, while some things will go forward with us, not everything will. And certainly God is wanting us to renew our minds and to constantly be asking for fresh vision and a fresh infilling of his spirit so that we don't just plod along repeating the same mistakes or repeating the same successes. It's about asking God what he wants for us in this season. So what can you do as a response to thinking about this? Well, I think the key is in the verse in the Bible where Paul says, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. So let me ask you, and this is another chapter in the book actually, what is the one thing that you could do? What is the next right thing for you? What has God been saying to you in this season? What one thing is he asking you to lean into? What one conversation do you know you need to have? What one habit do you know, whether it's your health, whether it's your Bible reading, whether it's your relationship, whether you've fallen into the trap of just being unkind to those closest to you? What is the one thing that you know God has said to you? Actually, I need you to just 
lean into that. What one thing might he be saying to you? Wow, you know that thing needs dealing with because it's, it's part of your past, but you need to forget some of that in order to be able to move forwards. Where is he leading you? What promise has he spoken to you? What dreams has he put in your heart and in your church's heart in this next season? Where is he asking you maybe to be honest and ask for help? Sometimes the one thing we can do is be brave and courageous enough to go, I can't do this on my own. My marriage needs help. My parenting needs help. My walk with God, my daily disciplines, my my workplace situation, whatever it is, I, I actually could do with some prayer, or some mentoring, some advice. Bravest thing we can do, not a sign of weakness, a sign of strength is to, the one thing that you might need to do to ask for help. Where have you been hesitating where God has been prodding you? What's your next thing? Because God, I believe, really wants to lead you forwards. You know, my husband's eyesight means that he needs guiding all of the time, whenever he goes anywhere. And sometimes we watch para-Olympic athletes, you know, like skiers and others who are blind as well. And the trust that they put in their guides driving down a ski slope at 70 miles an hour is extraordinary. But the reason that Mark is confident, or those athletes are able to be confident, is because they are confident in the person who is guiding them. And sometimes your courage levels will be entirely dependent on how confident you are on the one that is leading you. The truth is, as I said at the beginning, God has a purpose for your life and he has uniquely made you as a masterpiece to bring his kingdom in, in whatever sphere of influence he has placed you in, in your home, in your community, in your workplace, in the ministries that your church is engaged in. This is a critical season for us as disciples who need to step up and feed ourselves and grow closer to Jesus and as a church who's rediscovering our mission in entirely new ways. This is a time for us to not step back but to lean in to whatever God is calling us to do. He's got a purpose for us. It's time for us to unpack that. And if we do need to put some things down or to deal with some stuff in order to move forward, let's be like Paul, who understands that he has limitations, but also knows there are opportunities and that the purposes of God will always be accomplished if we're willing to surrender our lives to him. So let's just, I'm just gonna say a quick prayer just going to pray for you now but then I'm going to hand back and uh, allow the team there just to guide you forwards from here so I just thank you God I thank you I thank you that you are a purposeful God you are always moving people forward you always ask us to dig deeper into our relationship with you you always have plans for your church and for your disciples to know you more and to share you more. And Lord, I just pray that this church, that Redeemer King would be a church on the move. It would be disciples who were prepared to pay the price, to count the cost, 
to leave behind anything that needs to be left behind in order to lean into whatever it is you have for them next God and I just pray for every person here whatever their circumstances are whatever the limitations are oh Lord I just pray you would show them what is in their hands and what you have asked them to do what you have called them to just fill them with your spirit again today God and lead them forward show them the next right thing the one thing God, that you want them to do in order to be able to move forwards with you and your purposes today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to continue to be praying for you as you are watching this. And I'm excited to see some of you, the women, uh, soon as well. But God bless you as you unpack what God's thing is for you and what his purposes are for you in the season ahead.